Hello and welcome to Insights, the podcast with your host, Joe Parnay. Join me in this deep exploration of our personal journeys from ambition to meaning, where we stop living life fast and start living life deep. This is a journey of waking up and realizing that our lives have never been about us, but about others. True success leaves positive ripple effects on other souls. I believe that success needs to be redefined from our own personal ambitious endeavors to be redefined as the value that we leave and give to others around us. Join me now as we begin this journey to deeper connections, even more fulfillment, some fun, curiosity, life, love, and all good things. Your deeper journey from ambition to meaning starts right now. Hello and welcome to episode three. It's Joe here, your host. Thank you so much for joining me. So today I thought I would focus some time on the ambition to meaning journey that we're all on. So many of us at some point in life get lost. I I believe that every human being at some point will become lost, lost emotionally or lost in a relationship or lost in terms of career direction or lost in terms of geography, in terms of where to live. Um, A lot of us get lost at some point more emotionally than anything else. And what I mean by this, where everything has been going well for a while, and then things don't seem to be going as well as what they used to. And what I mean by that is where things that used to matter don't seem to matter as much, or what mattered a lot once before matters very little, if any, at all now. To give you an example, for about seven years, I worked in what I would call an ambition-driven space or in in the ambition-driven world, and it was a phenomenal time. For five of those seven years, I had an amazing time with incredible people. I was surrounded by some really, really lovely people, and I made some great friends. And after five years, I started to disengage, not with them, but disengage with my career, disengage with what was giving me fulfillment, what was what was challenging me in a very healthy way didn't seem to matter so much anymore. I remember in the early days of those seven years, I was so beside myself with excitement when I bought my first luxury car. You know, it was it was like an altered state of consciousness. I was like literally beside myself with excitement. It was an incredible experience. And it was it's, it's, it's a phenomenal memory that I have of that moment. And we also built our first house, my wife and I, we at the completion of building that home and moving into it, that was an incredible, uh, ambitious victory, I guess you could say. And when we sold that house and bought our ultimate dream home, which is still our home today, 20 years later, that was also a beside ourselves, altered state, kind of like, are you kidding me, kind of experience. The point I want to make is that all buying more things after a while didn't seem to have the same impact. It's kind of like painkillers, you know, when from what I've heard, you know, like someone takes a painkiller for chronic pain and then the chronic pain comes back and they need to intensify the the, the actual painkiller itself. They need to increase the dosage. Then, you know, for some people, we know, you know, of, of many famous people who have died of um, an overdose of painkillers, Michael Jackson and Prince, who are two of, two of uh, my musical heroes died because of painkiller injections. And it's not because they were addicted, or maybe they were, I don't really know, I wasn't there. But let me tell you that it comes to a point that if you have to keep increasing the dosage of the painkillers, 
it will actually kill the ultimate thing, which is our body. And it's the same with buying things I have found. Now, there's nothing wrong with materialism. There's absolutely, I, I think it's, I love buying good things, like things that are, that are that have been proudly produced and um, you know made in a way that uh, is high quality, like ranging from an iPhone through to a car through to whatever. I mean, I, I just love it. But this is the point: is that in the ambition-driven world, there's only so many things you can buy before the pleasure of the experience of buying those things starts to wear off. And one of the ways that people try to increase that feeling is to buy more things. So to give you an example, it's like the painkiller because it's like, you know, like I've bought several luxury cars in the last 15 years since that first one, like literally three or four and, and bought them and sold them and all the rest of it. And the last couple of purchases have, have had very little emotional impact on me. Like it was almost like, so why am I doing this? It was almost like I was doing it because that's what I've been doing for a long time is, you know, every three or four years updating my car, upgrading my car or whatever. Whereas now it's like it's just a car. I appreciate it. I I I'm grateful for everything that's gone into it. Like God knows, there's thousands of people that go into building a car from the the creators, the designers, the engineering, all the specific niche areas of engineering, the the marketing people, the I don't know, the tire people, and it, on it goes. I mean, there'd be thousands of people behind a, the production of a car, thousands. So the point I want to make is that in the ambition-driven world, there's only so much, so many things that we can buy before buying more things doesn't give us that satisfaction anymore. And we start to look for more. Uh, one of my favorite books is a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And if you haven't heard of Viktor Frankl, I strongly recommend that you, you go somewhere and you buy the thing because Viktor Frankl was an amazing survivor of the uh, the horrible Holocaust period in the 40s. And Viktor Frankl was a survivor of extremity. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about 99%. I'm making that figure up. It would be in excess of 90%. That's a fact. Of people around him did not survive what he had to survive in terms of starvation of nutrition and food and all the physical side, also starvation of spirit starvation of emotion, starvation of connection, starvation of growth of any kind. Like he was completely starved from a spiritual level all the way through to the physical level and yet survived. And what he says in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, is he survived because he was able to cast a meaning within himself on the experience and where he needed to go from that experience and what he could give to the world if he survived that experience was the spiritual journey within him that actually pulled him through all of those horrible, indescribable dark tunnels that he had to go through to get to the other side. And he says in his book that man's, or human, he says man, but humankind's chief desire has never been to gain more and more and more pleasure. He says that humankind's chief desire has always been meaning, to have meaning. And the ambition-driven world there's only so many pleasures that we can actually obtain. There's only so many pleasures that we can experience. Even if someone came along to all of us and gave us all, I don't know, five or $10 million to spend on whatever you want, sure, we'd have a great time for a, for a while, for many months, maybe a couple of years, I don't know. And then it would get to a point where it's like, well, how many more things can I buy? How many more things can I have? 
And so what happens in life is when we start to outgrow the ambition-driven world, we start to overcompensate with pleasures. Now, what I'm saying to you is not a universal, it's not something that happens to everyone. But based on my exposure over the last 13 years to working with people on very deep personal levels, whether it's in a group environment or a one-to-one basis, I found a lot of people are on this journey from what I call ambition to meaning, where they're looking for more depth, they're looking for more connection, they're looking for something different. The ambition-driven world is centered, well, it's, it's centered around the ego. It's what's called egocentric. So our identity in the ambition-driven world is very much influenced by external forces. The value system that drive the ambition-driven world are extrinsic. And what I mean by that is that values that we have in the ambition-driven world are normally heavily influenced by the opinions of others of what it is that we should be liking, what it is that we should be buying, what it is that we should be having, what it is we should be experiencing, you know, how we should be living our life, what sort of lifestyle we should be having. It's kind of like the old cliched adage of, you know, keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing. And the ambition-driven world, we have a different identity in terms of who we think we are. In the ambition-driven world, we are very much identified with two core driving questions. One of those core driving questions is, what do you think of me? So in the ambition-driven world, in the early stages of the ambition-driven world, according to Carl Jung, who was a famous psychoanalyst from the 1920s, an amazing, mystic, incredible man, incredible insights into life and the code of life and how it all seems to work. I encourage you strongly to look up him as well. <laughs> That's J-U-N-G, Jung. And he, he actually said there are four stages that we go through in life. And I'm ad-libbing here because Jung's language was rather complex and quite um, full of uh, full of incredible words. I mean, reading his book, I need to have a dictionary, one of his books, I need to have a dictionary by my side to decode some of his words. It's incredible language that he has. His range of vocab is, is mind-blowing. Anyway, he says in, in this uh, particular book of his, he talks about that we go through four stages in life. And that first stage that we go through is what's called the identity or the archetype of athlete. Now, Carl Jung spoke in archetypical language. What that means is he would, so an archetype is a label for a family or body of um, patterns of human behavior. So, for example, if we say that, um, uh, a man has this particular man has a mother archetype. He's not literally a mother, obviously, but he he has the qualities of mother: warm, nurturing, kind, patient, loving, present. So he's got the archetypical flavors of a mother. Does that make sense? So an archetype is a description of a body of emotional descriptions or behavioral descriptions of who we're being. So in the early stages of our lives, especially when we're sort of like into the teenagehood, late teenagehood, going to our 20s, we're what's called going through the archetype of athlete stage of life. And athlete means that our identity is completely immersed in our bodies and that who we think and what we think we are is absolutely absolutely, and only our bodies. And our body is like the centerpiece of all existence. And that and that that particular level of consciousness or that level of awareness is driven by a core driving question, which says, "What do you think of me?" So, in other words, the power 
is is outsourced to the environment in terms of other people's opinions of my body, um, what I'm wearing, my house, my car, how I look, how I walk, how I talk, and on it goes from there. So when I say the body, it's not just the physical body, it's also the other physical traits of that existence, which is our home and the building that we're in and the car that we drive or the bike that we ride or the clothes that we wear or the runners that we run in, all that kind of thing. So there's an overemphasis and an, and an increased sensitivity to people's opinions on anything physical. And at that stage of identity, that's the very early stages of the ambition-driven world. And at that stage of development, we're very much, we're so sensitive to other people's opinions that it, it is impossible to have a consistent high level of self-esteem. Because if we've outsourced our power of opinion to something outside of us, media, advertisements, marketplaces, communities, other people's opinions, father's opinions, mother's opinions, friends' opinions, if we're solely outsourcing our power to all of those different places and people, then our self-esteem is going to swing up and down according to the opinions of others. And so it's very, very difficult to have a solid, consistent, high level of esteem and self-belief when we're living at that level of consciousness or that level of awareness. Nothing wrong with it. If, it, if Wherever we're at, there's nothing wrong with wherever we're at. I'm, I'm simply describing here the journey. So the ambition-driven world is, is driven by the identity of what you think of me. So the identity of, at that stage is very much um, labeled by our physicalness, our body. And then what happens is our identity takes a shift. As life continues and our responsibilities increase, and as we begin to take on maybe a new job or a new career or we're leaving uni or we take on a trade or we start our own business, like we start taking more financial responsibility where we have increased financial obligations perhaps. Maybe there's also the entry of, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a new partner involved or we're getting married or we have a family, you know, spread over the next 10, 15 years, our responsibilities change. And our, our, and our, according to Carl Jung, we enter into the second stage of life. And that archetypically is described as the stage of the warrior. Warrior as in hunter, not warrior as in concerned. So that's, that's W-A-R-R-I-O-R. I think I've spelled that right. I certainly hope I have. So warrior is in the hunter. And our identity is defined by our results. And the core driving question of the warrior stage is what can I get? Get the girl, get the guy, get the experience get the house, get the result, get the money, get the life. Nothing wrong with any of this either. It's just that that's the stage of life that all of us go through at some point. It's the building phase. It's building our identity, building our wealth, building our securities and certainties, building for a future. Or it can also be done unresourcefully where all it is is about getting stuff from others regardless whether we're giving value or not. So this stage of warrior is where our identity is centered around results. Now, the reason why I'm explaining this and sharing this with you, these, these stages, there's four stages and these are, just, these are just the first two, is because at some point, as I mentioned earlier, we all get lost. Where we've been used to living in this ambition-driven world that's driven by outside forces. So the ambition-driven world is made up of these two stages, the stage of archi- the archetypical stage of athlete combined with the stage of warrior. So we've actually got two driving questions that drive our, our experience, and that is what can I get and what do you think of me? 
And inevitably, with these two questions, we're going to run into some kind of strife because there's only so much pleasure that we can receive from out there that, to satisfy us. And it gets to a point where we get lost, where we start asking questions, different questions. So, for example, for me, when I spent, you know, as I said, seven years, actually 10 years working in the ambition-driven world, you know, it was the last two years of that ambition-driven world that I got lost. I wasn't getting engaged as much as I was. I wasn't getting as excited as I used to. You know, the thought of buying a new car was like big deal. Like it just didn't turn me on anymore. I wasn't being uplifted anymore by the things that used to uplift me. I was starting to question everything. And then, of course, the ego voices that are inside all of our heads have a field day with this because those voices start saying things like, well, you're experiencing this because there's something wrong with you. What is actually wrong with me? And I remember having depressed moods like clouds on a sunny day, dark clouds coming and those clouds disappearing and then coming over again, disappearing. I remember I remember one particular defining moment when I was walking with my wife one evening. This is prior to kids. We just went for an evening walk and I was just suddenly overwhelmed by this heavy feeling that was like a depressed mood. And it was like I was entering into this darkness, and 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 I remember thinking, you've got to, you you need to do something about this. Like you can't keep going down this tunnel of depressed mood because you're going to go so deep that you're going to get stuck and you're not going to be able to get out. So I was getting concerned, and I was actually thinking, is this what it means when they say that um, you know this is depression? Is this what they mean when they say that you know the, the, is this a mental health issue that I'm going through? Is this some kind of mental you know? I don't like to use the word mental illness. Uh, I've got a whole thought around that, which we'll say for another podcast. But is it my mental health that's suffering? Like I didn't know what was going on. And I didn't know that that the purpose of life was, or one of the purposes of life is to gain more meaning, not about gaining more pleasure. So I began questioning everything. And it wasn't until one evening when I was at home, I came home one night and my wife was having um, having lunch or dinner, I can't remember, it might have been dinner, with uh, a dear friend of ours who's still a close friend of ours today. She might be listening to this podcast, Lainey, you're gorgeous, we love you so much. And, and, and she was having a conversation with my wife and she was so perky and so excited about some weekend that she went on. It was a meditation retreat that she absolutely loved. And um, I remember the excitement in her eyes and the vibe in her energy inspired me to look up on the internet this group or this company that she um, she went and immersed in this wonderful weekend on. And long and the short of it is, I started to discover meditation. I started discovering the world of spirituality. I started to discover the world of altered, altered states. I started to discover this other world that was completely and utterly foreign to what I was aware of. And... Carl Jung says that the third stage of life is where we enter into the identity stage. So these are these are all what I call identity stages of what we think our self-concept is. We'll talk more about that and go deeper into identity in another podcast episode. But the third identity stage is the stage of statesman or stateswoman. I mean, Carl Jung was uh, based in the 20s, so different sort of, you know, had a patriarchal pattern to his uh expressions so he would speak of man not humankind or, or of women but that was back in the 20s so can you believe that uh, you know very soon it's going to be 2020 we're going into the 20s of the next century i mean that is mind-blowing anyway that's a whole another thought but statesman or stateswoman that third stage is the beginning of the meaning-driven world it's the beginning of where our awareness expands into a completely different core driving question 
Because the question of what do you think of me, which transforms into what can I get in the ambition-driven world, transforms into what can I give, where now the purpose of life, we have redefined it. So what happens in the first stage of life, our purpose of life is pretty much focused on our physicalness, our physical body, our physical house, our physical, you know, anything that's physical and material. So it's pretty much about, you know, immersing in the experience of that. So our identity is very much body driven and physically driven. In the second stage of warrior, our warrior hunter, our identity is very much results focused. So our careers are very, very important. So the vehicle, what we call in human behavior, there's vehicles in life. So not vehicles as in cars and trams and trains, vehicles in the sense of emotional vehicles, like our career is a vehicle for us to express ourselves. Our relationships is a vehicle for us to express ourselves. Any hobby or ritual that we have is a vehicle for us to express ourselves. And so what happens is at the at the edge of the ambition-driven world, our identity is defined by the results that we're getting. And if the results that we're getting are predominantly coming from our career, and then we experience a career crisis, and that career ends, or we're sacked, or something changes, or we're packaged out, or our role changes and evolves into something completely foreign to us, that can be a crisis point for a lot of people. And it's not because of the job. It's because it becomes an identity crisis. Because if our identity is enrolled or or wrapped up in our career and that career changes or that career is taken away from us, unconsciously that translates to, you've just taken away my identity. I don't know who I am. Now, for me personally, When I was disengaging with my vehicle, with my career, that mattered to me so much for so many years, the very thing that mattered to me didn't seem to matter anymore. I was really concerned. I actually genuinely thought there was something wrong with me and I'm going down some kind of emotional um, tunnel of, of darkness that could lead to depression and all kinds of things. I actually thought there was something wrong with me. Now, bless her soul, when Lainey was in our house sharing her excitement, she connected into something in me that I hadn't connected with for a long time. There was a different kind of excitement because the excitement wasn't about buying another thing. It was about learning more about the human condition, learning more about emotions, learning more about relationships and how they evolve and grow. And I didn't know, but this was my introduction into the meaning-driven world. And what actually happened was I ended up taking a 15-month sabbatical away from my old work and fortunately for me, I had a phenomenal relationship with my boss and they gave me permission to, I guess it was permission. They, they said it was cool for me to go out and explore this. And if I didn't like it, I would be welcomed back with open arms. I was so, still to this day, so grateful for the opportunity that my, uh, my old boss gave me to, to go and explore, uh, explore whatever crisis <laughs> I was going through. And guys, I've got to tell you that when I actually moved into the meaning-driven world, it was completely and utterly foreign. It was so foreign to me. I remember having so many overwhelming moments emotionally that I had no clue what was going on. And so anyway, I had this 15-month sabbatical where I went and did all kinds of weird and wacky things. I met some amazing people in the meditation space. I went on these silent retreats. I did this thing called a vision quest, which is one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. Um, This vision quest, which was uh, involving being out in the forest uh, for uh, 72 hours straight with no food, only water, water only, no uh, books, no phones, no distractions, no watch, no nothing, just me and the trees, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll explore Vision Quest with you in a lot more detail in another podcast episode because it deserves a lot more than just the soundbite I've just given it then. But the point I want to make is that I went out on this adventure for 15 months to discover myself. Now, I know that this sounds very 60s, like where, where's he gone? He's gone to find himself. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but let me tell you, I was not finding myself. I was actually redefining myself without knowing that I was redefining myself. So I was searching for more meaning. I was searching for something different. I was searching for something that would actually genuinely add value to the world or to the community or to whoever I was with. So in the beginnings of the meaning-driven world, our identity takes a shift. It transforms from an identity based on results and other people's opinions. It transforms into the identity based on legacy, where now our identity is driven by legacy. And by legacy, I don't mean a statue in the park of us. (laughs) What I mean is the ripple effect of the legacy of the impact we have made on other people's souls, the ripple effect on our children, the ripple effect of smiling at a stranger in the street and how Who knows what kind of impact that's had in that moment? The ripple effect of being vulnerable with our close ones, the ones that we care for, you know, the closest people in our lives. And vulnerability is not crying or puddle on the floor. That is only a a thin sliver of what vulnerability truly is. Vulnerability is where you can be unedited, unfiltered, and be completely yourself with those that you love and not be judged. To be completely present to them and their beauty and who they are true connection. And that's the beginning of the meaning-driven world. And this this archetype of stateswoman or statesman is, as I said a few moments ago, a few minutes ago, it's driven by this beautiful question, what can I give? And this journey from ambition to meaning is an emotional one because both these worlds are driven by different values. And values, I define a value as our emotional compass it's something that's organically, naturally wired within us. It's wired within us that when we follow those values, when we live aligned to those values, we feel great. When we violate those values, we don't feel great at all. We feel disengaged. We feel disempowered. We feel pretty ordinary emotionally, which then has a ripple effect on our energy of our body and so forth. So the journey of ambition to meaning is going through these four stages. I'm aware that I've only given you three. I'll get to the fourth one. I'll squeeze that in in a minute. So the the first three stages is what dominates humanity. That's what we're going through. That's This is a universal way of explaining, one way of explaining the journey of the human condition is that ultimately we're here to realize that, well, the journey to the ultimate is we're here to realize, first of all, that our lives have never been just about us. There's nothing more boring for you and for me than to just focus on ourselves for days and days and days. If we were to do that, our our spirit and energy would start to drop and we would get depressed if we just focused on ourselves. And that's not a reflection of our character. That's just the reflection of the way that the human condition is wired because the human condition is wired to serve, to make a difference. And that's what the meaning-driven world is. It starts to focus on others. It starts to focus on genuine value that we can give to another person. It's a different attitude. It's a different vibe. It's a different energy. And the ultimate stage is the fourth stage that Jung described as the archetype of spirit. And that's where we go through another identity shift, where we begin to realize that what we are is consciousness itself. Now, let me tell you, that deserves a whole other podcast episode because 
going to the archetype of spirit is going to take me into woo-woo land, which I love. And I'll dedicate a woo-woo podcast episode to the state archetype of spirit because that there is so much to that. So that's the main transition. So what happens is we all get lost at some point because when we're when we're sort of over with the ambition-driven world, we don't know what's next. If we don't know that this conversation that you and I are having even exists, we don't actually know what's actually happening to us. And that's what I went through for 15 months. I remember just uh, becoming emotionally overwhelmed so many times without having a clue as to what, what I was going through. And um, so, th- you know, that's that was the journey that I went through for 15 months. And when I came back, because I, I was running out of money and I had to go back to my old job and my old bosses took me back and I was very grateful for that. But I only lasted another eight or nine months because I just wasn't values aligned anymore to what the organization's values were. Nothing wrong with their values. It's just that my values were different. I was, my priorities were different. My emotional compass had shifted direction. And I didn't know what the direction was. All I knew was it was a different direction to where I had been. So then that's when I went on a bit of a search and I ended up, and I won't bore you with a long story, but I ended up discovering this thing called personal coaching. And that's when in 2005, I began my journey into the world of behavioral coaching, emotional intelligence, and and working and building my skill in working with people in this sort of area. And now the, and then I say to, I say to my clients all the time, the ultimate journey is not just ambition to meaning, but it's actually integrating ambition into meaning, recontextualizing, redefining what ambition means into the context of meaning. So I'm still ambitious these days, but my ambition is just completely redefined. My ambition is not about my own personal endeavors anymore. It's about, well, how can I add maximum value to people out there? Because I know that I'll be taken care of along in the ride. So that's the essence of the journey. I'm about to wrap up because I've noticed that this podcast is a little bit longer than normal. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I know that I've opened a lot of tin of worms. In episode four, I'm going to continue this conversation. And I trust and hope that even with the snippets that I've shared with you today has given you some insights into perhaps what you're going through at the moment or what others that you know have have gone through. So thank you so much for joining me as I wrap this up today. And I will continue this conversation with you next week on episode four. Do join me. I look forward to it. And I'll speak with you then. Thank you so much for listening and bye for now. I'm Joe Pane and you've been listening to Insights, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you're thoroughly loving the journey of these messages, please feel more than welcome to leave a review and be sure to leave a comment on what you've been learning and how useful this has been to you and and how you've been sharing this with those around you. Thank you so much for joining me and I'm looking forward to being with you again very soon in the next episode of Insights, the podcast.